He is the beginning and the end, the Aleph and the Tav. And he tells us the story of the end from the beginning. You see, that story in Genesis there in the beginning, it's all about him. Instead of destruction, there's life. Instead of darkness, there's light. Instead of shame, there's confidence in him. And instead of sin, there's holiness from him. You see, the story of the garden is not just about a man, a woman, a tree, and sin. It's a story that's all about Him. You see, God gave us the story of Genesis as a thread in our Bible that carries us all the way to the end. You see, everything that's about to happen, everything from Genesis to Revelation is summed up in Genesis. Everything that's going to happen in Revelation is happening in Genesis. God gave us Genesis as the fulfillment of everything, even though it's way there in the beginning. And today I want to show you how the story of Genesis is not just about Adam and Eve, but it actually speaks to something greater that God was going to do today and in the future. You see, what happened in Genesis was not a shock to God. It didn't catch him off guard. God planned for a particular scene. I'm going to show you and prove to you in this video that God has been intricately involved in every way. It's never been out of his control. He's seen it coming from the beginning and he's on top of it all. You see, he came for you. He saw you and he got on a cross for you. And he had that in mind, even in Genesis 1 verse 1. You see, John starts off his book with this. He talks about this very thing. He says, in the beginning, in Genesis, which means beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, the common understanding is that the Word John is talking about here is Yeshua. And of course... Yes, it does. It it, he is the word that became flesh. But I want to submit to you that there's something much deeper that John knows that he's asking and begging us to see. You see, there is a word, a physical word in the beginning that he wants us to notice. In Genesis 1 verse 1, we read the following. In the beginning created Elohim the heavens and the earth. You see, when we look at the English translation of this, it's, it seems pretty straightforward. But when you dig into the Hebrew, there's a word that you can't see in the English translation because it can't be translated. And that Hebrew word, it consists of two letters. It is the Aleph and the Tav. You see, it, it actually goes like this. In the beginning, created Elohim, the Aleph Tav, the heavens and the earth. You see, the Aleph and the Tav in the Hebrew language is the first and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph being the first and Tav being the last. So God is here saying that uh, in the beginning created God, the Aleph Tav, the heavens and the earth. But get this. Yeshua said in Revelation, the following, he said in Revelation 22, verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Olive and the Tav in Hebrew, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You see, he's giving us a hint. He's saying this story in Genesis that I'm about to start in Genesis 1, verse 1. It speaks not only about the beginning, but also about the end. 
For I am the beginning and the end. I am the I am. And Yeshua is the character, the main character in the story of Genesis. Even though obviously when we walk up to someone on the street, we're asking, what is Genesis about? Oh, it's about Adam and Eve. No. It's about Yeshua. Let me show you. You see, this Torah portion of Bereshit in Genesis starts off with God talking about the creation account of how he created the earth and the heavens. But then he starts in Genesis 2 and he talks about the, the occurrence of man and how he gave Eve to Adam. And what he says is the following. We see that in Yahweh Elohim said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper for him as his counterpart. And from the ground, Yahweh God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living being, that was its name. So the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But the man, there was not found a helper for him as his counterpart. You see, God starts the story off with how Adam had everything. Adam had the whole world. God gave him dominion over the creatures, the birds of the air, the fish in the sea and everything else. And even to the point of saying, Adam, you can name them whatever you like. So Adam, in a sense, had he had everything. For example, you can have everything. You can have a big house, a big car. You can have family. You can have mother, father, brother, sisters and everything else. But if, if we were to take away your wife or your husband, there would be a gap in your heart. There would be a loss. There would be something missing. And this is the same thing that Adam experienced. And I want to submit to you that this is the first point that speaks to Yeshua. You see, Yeshua, God, is the God of the heavens and the earth. He had the heavens and the kingdom and angels and everything, if you will, around him. But God wanted you. You see, God desired to make man in his own image. He desired man and he created man with the purpose of having intimacy with him. And in the same way, this is I want to I want to submit to you that God had the same emotions that Adam felt here when Adam was he had, you know, all the, the birds and the animals and everything in this garden. But there was something missing. It's the same with God. And that's why he made man. That is why he set apart a bride for him, just like God set apart a bride for Adam. What we see happen next is in Genesis 2 verse 21, we see that God came and brought a sleep over Adam. He made Adam fall asleep. And then it says that he took from Adam's side or his rib. And it's actually interesting because when we look at that word in the Hebrew for rib, what's used there, we see that God caused a deep sleep to fall on a man and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. So while say law can mean rib, it can also mean side. Now, I want to submit to you that there is a big reason for this. God wasn't didn't just take Eve out of Adam's side for no reason. It's a picture, a very deep picture. When we look at Yeshua when he was on the cross, he was about to go 
to sleep. And the guard came and he pierced him with a spear in his side. And blood and water started pouring out of Yeshua. Yeshua was struck in his side and slept. And three days and three nights later, Yeshua raised from the dead. And the Holy Spirit, God, was sent out. And God, and what is the role of the Holy Spirit? The role of the Holy Spirit is to gather in the bride of, of Christ for him. It, the Holy Spirit is to convict this, the world of sin and judgment and to bring them into a holiness, to prepare them for that wedding. That One of the main things of the Holy Spirit is to do that. And so what really is happening is, The Spirit brings the bride to Christ in the same way when Adam awoke from his sleep, just like Yeshua, when Yeshua awoke and was raised, Adam awoke from his sleep. And what happened? The scriptures say that God brought Adam's wife. And the rib which God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one is called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother to cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. You see, Adam is saying that this woman is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She is made in my image. You see, just like God, God is seeking a bride made in his image. You see, the scriptures actually say that that Eve was taken out of man. That's why she was called woman. And in the same way, we I want to submit to you, we are taken out of Yeshua. So those of us who call on his name for salvation, who believe in Yeshua and Jesus, we were taken out of his side as his bride too. You see, when, when Yeshua struck in his side, blood and water came gushing out and fell on the ground. The blood represents judgment. It represents atonement. It represents when blood is spilt to pay for sin. You see, someone has to pay for our sin. That's what represented in the same way. Blood represents judgment. And just how when Moses struck the lake of Pharaoh in Egypt and the water turned to blood, representing the judgment on Egypt. But then the water that poured out of Yeshua's side represents mercy. In fact, the word water in the Hebrew is actually called Ma'im. And when we look at the word for mercy, it's actually called Rakamim. And it's actually the word water in Hebrew with just two Hebrew letters added. And it makes up the word mercy. So what is really happening is Yeshua struck in his side and blood representing the judgment of God that is supposed to be poured out on the world is now actually pouring out of him. It's pla- it was placed on him and now it's pouring out of him when he was struck. But that blood is actually now mixed with water representing mercy, representing that the only way for that blood that atonement to have been made was through the mercy of God. The only way for you to come into Christ and to be his bride, it's not through what you've done or this or that. It's through his mercy that draws you in the kindness of God that draws you in. 
But see, the water doesn't just stop at Yeshua and being poured out of him. The water, he, he goes on to say that in John 738, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, I was out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, this mercy of God that was that Yeshua gave that 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 that, that pouring out of the water that, that represents him showing mercy to us, allowing us to come into covenant with him. He actually says, now, if you believe in me, out of your belly should flow rivers of living water too, just like out of mine. You also need to provide mercy. And it actually says in verse 39 of John there that this he said of the spirit. You see, it is the Holy Spirit that was that that was poured out on us. Like, like I mentioned, Yeshua was raised from the dead and then the Holy Spirit was sent to gather the bride. And see, when the Holy Spirit meets us in a moment, he fills us. And then he commissions us to go and do the work of God, the work of the kingdom to help gather in the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the bride of Christ. And so that mercy is now not only extended to us, but God expects us to extend that same mercy that he extended to us, to others. 1 John 5 or 6, this is the one that came by water and blood, Yeshua the Messiah, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is the truth, because there are three who bear witness, the spirit, the water and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Now, how can something so opposite as water and blood be in agreement? Like we just mentioned, Water, the water represents mercy, while the blood represents judgment. Two things that seems to be really in polar opposites of one another. But I want to submit to you that this explains God's character beautifully. You see, God is just perfect, holy, set apart, and he, he gives judgment where judgment is due because he, ha- he has to be a loving judge committed to his own instruction. He cannot be flaky. You see, God is just. But on the other hand, God is full of mercy, loving and his loving commitment endures forever. He is slow to anger and he grants repentance. Repentance is due to such as in baptism, where baptism is the act of repentance, is the act of coming to God and saying, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. And see, baptism is where we enter the water. We enter the place of being cleansed. We say, God, you need to cleanse us. God, show. And it's, an, it's, it's when we go into the water, it's actually God's water, God's mercy that washes us clean. That's what baptism is all about. You see that picture of Yeshua on the cross. That is the act of baptism when we go and we die with him. You see, when Yeshua was on the cross, struck on the side and water came pouring out. It's another connection to how baptism is how we get on a cross with him. You know, Yeshua said that Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. It means that you need to lay down your life and follow me. You need to die and see baptism is when we go into the water, we die with Christ and we come up out and we are raised with him unto new life, immersed in his mercy. And baptism is the first one of the first steps we take 
into coming in alignment with our bridegroom to become part of his bride. You see, but there is a problem that we're facing. And that is that all men, we are not all directly made in the image of God. We are made in the image of Adam. You see, Adam, according to Genesis 5, verse 1, was made in the image of God. But in verse 2, God then says that that all everyone else came from Adam. You see, Eve was taken out of Adam's sight. She was made in Adam's image. And from there we have Seth. And from Seth, we had the, all of men like we have today. Me, we are all coming. Our flesh is coming from the line of Seth. We are not directly coming from the image of God like Adam was. We're made in the image of Adam because see, there was the fall of man that corrupted Adam's flesh. And so we are descendants from that corruption. But see, that's a huge problem because like I said, Yeshua's coming back for a bride that's taken from his side. He's not taking a bride taken from the side of a corrupt man, Adam, the first Adam, if you will. You see, Adam was the first Adam, but Yeshua was the second. Yeshua came to fix everything that went wrong in the garden. He came with the great solution to this problem. You see, one day Yeshua came to Nicodemus and he said, Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot be part of his bride if you are not born again. You see, why is there in Nicodemus? He says, what are you talking about? Why would I need to be born again? Can I enter into my mother's room like a baby and be born again? And Yeshua says, you don't understand, Nicodemus. What Yeshua was talking about is this. Yeshua understood that if you are made in the image of Adam and you are and that is who you are and you're living in the image of Adam, the first Adam. You're you're living in your flesh, you're in a corrupt place and you can never enter the kingdom of God. The only way you can enter the kingdom of God is you become reborn and you're made in the image of Christ. You see, if you are taken instead of out of the side of Adam, like Eve was, and coming from that um, line, instead, he came and gave us the option of being taken out of his side. Like Eve, Adam's bride was taken from Adam's side. We, as the bride of Christ, is taken from our, our Messiah's side, who is not corrupt, for he had no father. He was born of the Virgin Mary by the Spirit of God, incorruptible, of an incorruptible seed. And then he says, I give you the option to come into covenant with me, become my bride, and you will be taken out of my side by the blood and the water. You see the mercy of the water and all the judgment that you you deserve will be taken upon me by the blood. That's what it represents. And the blood and the water will be poured out for you. You will be taken out of his side. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one comes and says, Yeshua, I need your mercy. I need your blood to cover my sins. I need your water and your blood. 
I need to be the one that is made in your image. I need you as the second Adam. You see, he was the second Adam, if you will. Adam was the first Adam in the garden. Yeshua was the second Adam. We can either be made in the image of that first Adam, that corruptible image, that lie that the enemy sold Adam. Or we can be made in the image of Christ. You see, there's a big difference in how they walked out their lives. Now, the question is, who will you follow? Because as you'll now see in in a few minutes, there are big differences between how Adam and how Yeshua walked out their lives. They faced the same challenges, the same choices, but they made different decisions. In Genesis 3 verse 5, we read about the account of how Eve ate the fruit and gave it to Adam. You see, Eve was tempted by the enemy, by Hasatan, Satan, the snake. And as she was tempted, she fell for the temptation. So the Eve, this bride, takes of this fruit. And what does she do? She gives it to Adam. And Adam is there. Adam is seeing all this. He knows what's going on. And Adam partakes and takes a bite. You see, while the first Adam went and he encouraged or or he he was lukewarm in his decision making he was unable to be a good guide for his bride yeshua is the opposite yeshua leads his bride yeshua is not does not fall for the traps of the enemy because see yeshua went through the same thing just like adam came and dwelt among his bride and allowed his bride to deceive him Yeshua came and came to dwell among us in the flesh. And he was tempted in every way, as the scriptures say. He was tempted by both us, people, as well as the things of this world, by the enemy. And you see this difference, though. While Adam fell for the deception that was through Satan and then through his bride, Yeshua didn't. Even though Yeshua was tempted in all matters, he never fell. And what then ultimately happens to Adam and Eve is that they're driven out of the garden. God has to expel them. Why? So that they may lose access to the tree of life. Here in Genesis 3 verse 24, it says, He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, the angels and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You see what they lost is eternal life. Just like the enemy came and said, he lied and he said, you will not surely die. Even though God said that if you do, you will. And they did. God revoked eternal life from them when they stopped having access to the tree of life. Because see, whoever eats of the tree of life inherits immortality, eternal life. They will live forever. But God could not allow them to live forever in their sinful state because sin leads to death. But what Yeshua came to do is he came to reverse that yet again. He he says in Revelation that. I'm going to restore this thing that was taken in the garden. You see, he says in Revelation 2 verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You see, you can, this means that you need to be cleansed. You cannot eat of that tree with sin on you. 
the only way that you can eat of the of, of the tree that allows you to inherit eternal life is of becoming born again. How do you become born again? It's by believing in the one and believing in Yeshua. You see, everything that that first Adam messed up with, Yeshua, the second Adam, if you will, came to restore. And he goes on and he says in verse in chapter 22, verse 13, that I am the Allah from the Tav, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. You see, Yeshua is saying, blessed are those who wash their robes. Blessed are those who get baptized, who get immersed in water, who, 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 who are filled and who have the mercy of God poured out on them. You see, this is how you came to Messiah. The way we come to him is by seeing the mercy of God. And when we see his mercy, that's attractive. We see the, the scripture said this, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's kind of obvious, you know, let me submit to you that when we go into a covenant relationship with a wife or a husband, we don't do it because of the, their, their rules. We don't do it because of their instruction. We don't do it because of this or that. We do it because of their kindness, their mercy, their love for us. And in the same way, we are to have that relationship with God. You see, Adam and Eve, God, God desired a relationship with them that was not just about Adam and Eve don't eat of the tree. The relationship was supposed to be I love you guys so much. See how much I love you. Don't do this. You see, God desires that intimate relationship. He is not a God simply that desires to have us a relationship of Torah with us. You know, many think that God is just a God who wants us to keep Torah and that's it. Yes, he does. And that's beautiful. He wants us to be obedient and live in holiness, live in accordance to his instructions, to his law. But if we think that that's all that this relationship with God is supposed to be, we're no different from Adam and Eve and that they, 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 their relationship with God stopped at the instructions. How did I know that? It's because the first thing that they did when they fell, when they made that mistake, is they ran away and hid in the bushes. They had no idea what God's character was like. They did not know him. Even though they dwelled with him face to face in the garden, they did not know him. You see, you can come to a place where you it feels like you dwell with God face to face. You can still not know who he is. You can be married to a husband or a wife, but yet still not know who they are. Because a relationship can, you know, we, you can have a relationship with a husband or wife and you can be together with them just because legally you need to. Just because of the kids, just because of the work situation, just because whatever the case is for every other reason except the right reason. And that is because you love them and they love you. You show them kindness, they show you kindness. You show them mercy and they show you mercy. You see, that's the relationship that God desired to have with Adam and Eve. And now is that what now that's what he desires to have with you. You see, he doesn't just want a relationship of keep this commandment, do this, do that. Because it's not going to work. He wants a relationship of son, daughter. I love you. Spend time with me. 
Let's go on dates together. Let's speak. Let's have that intimate relationship together. And you know what happens when we do that? The laws written on our hearts and we're changed forever. What happens is God in Jeremiah 31 verse 31, that relationship is described when he says that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. You see, when that happens, I will write my law on their hearts. And, you know, when that happens, you, you're no longer going to need to be like, OK, do this and this and this and this. It's going to be nature and by nature, it's going to just you're going to want to. It's going to change from the inside out. And yes, I'm not saying that we shouldn't study his word, study his law. Of course we should. But it's going to be easy to follow it if you're in love with your creator. But if you're just doing it to get into as a one way ticket into heaven, you're missing it completely. And you'll actually be deceived in that place because the enemy will find you and he will deceive you yet again in some way. The only way to escape the deception of the enemy, the only way that Yeshua escaped the deception of the enemy, his ear was totally inclined towards his father day and night and his far through his fasting in that wilderness season. And God desires that relationship with us. Yeshua told the women at the well, John 4 verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water from this well will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become to him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You remember when Satan fell, you know, when, when, when Satan deceived Adam and Eve, God cursed the snake and he said that you will dwell on your belly and eat the dust of the earth for the rest of your life. What God is referring to in that is that Satan will rule the things, the dust of this earth. God, Satan will have dominion over the dust of this earth. In other words, that includes death because we were made from dust and to dust we will return. But it also includes the kingdoms and the things of this world. He is Satan has been given dominion as the God of this world, if you will. The things of this world is where he dwells. And you see, when Yeshua was talking to that woman at the well, he was saying that you, you, you can drink of this water and you can try to get something from it. You know, this well and this well comes from the ground and but you'll never get satisfied. Because it's from this world, it's not water that will give you eternal life. It's the water from the ground. And it's the place where it's, that which Satan has been given dominion over. Nothing in this world will give you eternal life. But if you drink of me, he said, you will become yourself even like a fountain of eternal life to others. You will overflow. You will be give life to everywhere you go. You see, that's what Yeshua ultimately did. He was so overflowing with the water that when he walked, people were getting healed. He he prayed wherever he went and even his shadow, just like Peter's shadow, healed people. And so in that way, God calls us to not only have a drink of him to inherit eternal life, but to become a well ourselves where we become like a walking well of God. That is, a bring, that is a fountain of life to everyone we encounter. But see, the only way that this can happen is if we're made in his image and his image, his likeness. You see, that means that this face is going to change. It means that you're going to be different 
It means that you're not going to want to do the things of old anymore. You're become kind of come a new creation, change from the inside out into his likeness. You know, Paul said that I, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do, I don't want to do. And Paul is really talking about his flesh. He's talking about the fallen man, the 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 first Adam, if you will, the dominion that that still has over his flesh, because see, you even though we become born again in the inside and we change on the inside, our flesh on the outside is still of the first Adam and not of the second, like how we our hearts are transformed. And so that's why by the spirit of God, we need to bring our flesh on the outside into submission to Yeshua and his spirit, his way. It's like we need to bring the first Adam, the old man and that fallen nature into submission to the new Adam, to Yeshua, to Jesus and his new nature that he gives us. And many ways of doing this is, for example, by fasting, by seeking him and fasting and prayer. Yeshua instructed his disciples to fast and pray, especially when they were dealing with things like casting out of demons. Why? Because demons do not submit to Adam. Demons submit to the second Adam, to Yeshua. And so that the way that we bring that Yeshua's dominion and make that well up in us is by getting the flesh that first and that fallen nature out of the way. And so to get that out of the way means the, the spiritual realm will submit to us. You see, remember that dominion that Adam had in the beginning? He God said, I'm giving you dominion over everything. You see, God wants to restore that dominion like never before. He wants to restore, restore it today and these last days as it was in the very beginning. And Satan wants to take that away. And the way he does it is by trying to put his seed, Satan's seed in us, that 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 fallen nature and may help us. He wants to let us follow that flesh, that fallen man, just like he tried Yeshua in the wilderness to say, bow down before me and I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything that your flesh desires. And Yeshua said, no, man does not live on bread alone. I live by every word that comes from the word of God, from the mouth of God. And so when we focus on the things of God, the things of this world will not be attractive to our flesh anymore because our flesh will be in such submission that it has no more authority over us. And so as you can see, there is incredible parallels between the garden story and what God is doing today and in the future. Revelation is intricately connected to Genesis and God has always been planning from when he gave Eve to Adam. It has always been a picture of Yeshua and his bride. You see, Adam and Eve went wrong in every way that Yeshua went right. Yeshua and his, seeks to make his bride and his likeness, and he seeks a bride that is equally yoked to him in his image. He's not coming back for a bride who's in the image of the fallen man. He's coming back for a bride that is equally yoked. So I pray, Father, that you would come, Yahweh, and you would make us in your image. Restore us, Father, to intimacy with you like never before, Father. Let us not just follow you to get this or that out of it, Father. But I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to have intimacy with you to a place where you can change our nature and make us like you. Father, we give you all authority. And we all know, Father, that when we do, you will give us authority so that we can trample under underfoot Satan. We can go and, and stamp 
trample underfoot on the snake's head. And I pray, Father, you would come and help us. Lord, give us confidence in you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you love us, you care for us. I thank you for your shalom and your mercy. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit so that from our bellies can flow rivers of living water to everyone around us. Father, I pray for that your spirit would just allow us to shine a light and be a light to the world as you are. We pray all this in the name of Yeshua. May God bless you and keep you. Thank you for sticking through to this video. And I hope this Torah portion encouraged you. And we'll see you guys in the next video. Shalom.